Hey folks, Randy Newberg here, and we are recording another road trip episode of Leopold's Hunt Talk Radio. With me is Marcus Hockett, one of our longtime field producers, and also Adam Foss. Those of you who know Adam, uh, follow him on social media. No, he's not just a crazy, adventurous mountain hunter, but equally as talented when it comes to photography and creative uh, imagery. So uh, we're just wrapping up three days of really, really cool elk hunting here in Montana, and we're on our way home, so we thought we'd put the headsets on, tell you some big stories. Uh, Marcus and I can continue the debate of uh, kind of the less filling tastes great, the old... uh, uh, light beer commercial. Uh, for Marcus and I, though, it's a different argument. It's He says elk are where you find them. I say you find them where they are. And there's a huge difference between that. But I don't know that we've solved it or resolved it, but I still believe you find them where they are. Uh, but anyhow, uh, you're going to hear some road noise and some other stuff here. Uh, apologize for that, but it seems like the best time or the only time in many instances that we can get these podcasts done. So uh, thanks to Leopold for making this possible and for being huge supporters of conservation, public land access, and making amazing optics. Uh, those optics were employed heavily on this trip. Uh, Leopold spotting scopes, binos, range finders, rifle scopes, all the above. Uh, and when you hear how it turned out, uh, yeah, couldn't do it without it. Go to leopold.com and check out their stuff. Great, great optics. And then we have Orion coolers. Uh, It was cold enough that maybe we didn't need coolers, but we sure brought them and we beat the bejeebers out of them. Uh, Go to orioncoolers.com and use promo code Randy, R-A-N-D-Y, and you will get, you're going to save 20% off your cooler. Yeah. Really, really great coolers. Promo code Randy, save 20%. Orioncoolers.com. With us on this hunt was our buddy Matt Seidel from Onyx Maps. Uh, And Onyx is one of the partners who make this podcast possible. And I can assure you that in the place we were at, you will see in the imagery a ton of images of us using the Onyx app on our phones. It just satellite imagery, the aerial imagery, you just, you look at it and it is so helpful in knowing where you're going and what's out there. And, and, you know, the old don't leave home without it. There you go. And when you go to onyxmaps.com, use promo code Randy, R-A-N-D-Y. And when you buy any of their app products, you'll save 20%. Man. Sounds familiar, right? Promo code Randy, save money. And then also we have Go Hunt, uh, Go Hunt Insider. Even though this was a general season tag, an over-the-counter tag, their insider has huge analysis of all of these general units in all the states that have over-the-counter or general tags. We also use their insider for all the things that we do as far as tags and tag application season. (laughs) Crazy as it sounds, is just around the corner. We're talking in December, we're going to have Alaska. And rumor has it that the Alaska stuff is going to be up on the Go Hunt Insider 
real soon. So even more reason to sign up to be an insider at Go Hunt. And when you do, use promo code Randy, R-A-N-D-Y, and they will give you $50 of mad money, like borderline cash to spend in their gear shop. And they got a serious gear shop. So do that. Go to GoHunt.com, sign up for the insider, use promo code Randy, and get $50 of store credit and use that. And then in future transactions in their gear shop, not with your promo credit that you got, but with all future transactions, when you check out of their gear shop and use promo code Randy, they'll give you a 10% discount. How about that, huh? So with that, uh, we got a serious elk hunting story to tell you. Actually, we got the hunting story of quite a few elk uh, to tell you. Sometimes the planets align and this was it. And I just am shaking my head at how lucky we got this week. So I'm going to hit the button here. And after I hit that button, uh, Marcus and Adam are going to join in. So thanks for being here. All right, folks. I told you that we just got done with what was supposed to be five days, but turned out to only be three days of really cool elk hunting here in Montana. Middle of the week. Second week of season, which is always usually the hardest time to kill a bull. And with me here doing this road trip podcast is Market Marcus Hockett, the regular on this podcast, field producer, cameraman extraordinaire, elk hunting guru. Anything I'm missing there, Marcus? I Man of many languages. Elk guru thing. Huh? I don't know about the elk hunting guru thing. But. Really? Oh, all right. <laughs> and then also with us on this trip was Adam Foss. A lot of you probably know Adam from all of his sheep hunting, his adventure hunting, his photography, and mostly just his big smile, because I don't know that I've ever seen Adam when he wasn't smiling. You ever not smile, Adam? <laughs> no, actually, I, I don't think, maybe when I'm sleeping. <laughs> uh, well anyhow uh adam was with us because sicky gear asked adam to tag along and run the photography photography side of the world and hopefully we got some images worthwhile i don't know i guess you'll find out right yeah lots of ones and zeros on memory cards <laughs> it was action-packed i mean little <laughs> Lots happened in a very short amount of time. Yeah. And there was a lot of fun being had. And uh, anytime that's happening, th there's going to be some great photos to be taken. Hopefully, you just got to. Yeah. Hopefully, same from the video side, Marcus. Or Yeah, I think, we, I think we got some, some good video. Good? I, I, uh, like Michael Parente like, laid down some average yeah, I footage? Yeah, laid down some real average footage solid okay. mediocre stuff yeah, yeah. <laughs> so also joining us was our buddy Bo Beatty and six of his llamas and Corey Jacobson with whom I do the Elk Talk podcast and Donnie Drake who is Corey's hunting partner and John their videographer I wish I could remember John's last name sorry about that John but uh, they joined up with us Tuesday night, and was it Tuesday night that they joined up with us? I can't even remember. Anymore. I can't. Yeah, <laughs> the days are all kind of blending together. 
Uh, and Matt from and, Onyx. And then, yeah, Matt from Onyx, Matt Seidel. Uh, he was kind of, between him and Bo, they were sort of the stars of the show. Uh, as, as they should be based on how hard they worked. But a little background is, those of you who follow our stuff know that we have to do film permits. And I messed up a film permit uh, as far as how I did it. And so the area I told Corey and Donnie to meet us at was omitted from the film permit application I sent in, which was not good. So at the last minute, we had to scramble. I uh, had to find some lands we were permitted for. And Marcus Hockett, e-scouting expert, <laughs> said, well, I've never really elk hunted here, but let's go try there. Isn't that how that kind of went? Basically, yeah. And I said, sounds like a heck of a deal to me. Let's go. Because we got a lot of people coming to town, and if we don't get somewhere, we're not getting any elk hunting done and so that's what we did we picked up adam at well actually we were supposed to pick you up at the airport but because of my faux pas <laughs> with the the film permit uh we didn't get out of town until monday afternoon instead of sunday afternoon so anyhow a little background about why it happened the way it did and Corey and donnie were out i think they just wanted to sightsee a little bit <laughs> so they, that sounds that sounds like what they saw is just sites. They didn't find any elk, right? Right. <laughs> they when they met up at our camp, they said, "You know, we've been driving around looking and hiking and walking and thinking that we're going to do some pre-scouting for this hunt and we haven't found an elk." So, good part is they've eliminated a lot of places where the elk aren't. Cross those off the map. I thought what Marcus did was basically put every wildlife management unit on the price is right wheel and then just give it a spin <laughs> just pick a spot random spot it felt like that uh, there weird. was a little more thought to it than that i do was I, I, had, I don't I, know uh, i did have some knowledge <laughs> really about this area but yeah well, and what was that i've been there i've been here before but you so, said you'd never elk hunted there before i have just not a lot oh oh okay i All never right. killed anything there Oh, you'd never killed anything there. I'd driven through there before, but I've never... This is my first time of ever hunting there. Yeah. It's scenic. Yeah. It's, it's got that going for it. It's crowded. There's plenty of people. Very. What, what, Marcus has a saying when I complain about... Not complain, but I just comment about how many hunters there are. Marcus always looks on the bright side and says... Lots of elk attract a lot of hunters. Yeah. It's the same with wolves. I mean, you know, the wolves aren't eating anything. Or they're, they have to eat something, too. So if there's wolves there, there's probably elk there. A lot of hunters there, there's probably a lot of elk there. There were a lot of wolves there based on the tracks. Yeah. <laughs> so. And fortunately, Adam has been in on an awful lot of media production. So he understood what a circus we are going through the woods with all of our camera gear, all of the audio, got to get this right, got to get that right. And uh, hopefully he doesn't report back to the world that, you know what, these guys 
somehow it's all luck if they shoot anything. Because <laughs> that's what I really think. I think this was the luckiest week of elk hunting I've ever been in on. Do you think it was luck? I think there was a lot of luck involved, but there was some hard work in there. I mean, you spin the wheel. <laughs> I'm telling you. It comes up It comes up 95 cents or a dollar, you're going to the showcase showdown. <laughs> uh, well, the interesting part was we, Donnie and Corey and John would go one direction and we'd go another direction. And the day that they were coming over to join up with us, we went out and we went to a spot, kind of had a morning plan, and then a bunch of guys wheeled up to the trailhead yeah. and charged in there, <laughs> right where we were wanted camped. to get yeah. there before we started in there. So we said, that's fine. We went and found another spot. And about nine in the morning, we saw one straggler bull elk go into the timber, which turned out to be, I don't know, what did we see, 15 legal bulls that day or something like that? Was it 15? Uh, that big herd of cows had three legals. Oh, okay. Yeah, yeah. The group Bo had, had seven. And yeah. then I know I saw at least five heading into the woods. Slipped on the oh, that's right, group. that's right. Because they were two different groups. So. Yeah, man. <clears throat> Sounds good when you put it like that. Yeah. That's it was good. <laughs> yeah. So we're hunting November four, 5th through 8th, something like that. So season's yeah. been open, what, week and a little bit? Yeah. There's been two weekends already, and then we're, we came after the second weekend of season. And it's November, and in Montana this year, we've had significant cold and early snow. So it put the elk in full-on post-rut, more like late-season mode, in bachelor groups, in their sanctuaries. And the amount of hunting pressure that had happened over the previous week plus another weekend had really pushed the elk away from the roads. Well, not really. How far, was, mean, Bo how far was Bo's elk from the road? Two miles? Not even, probably. Yeah. But yeah, it was, I mean, it's all relative, I guess. They were, it, was, it wasn't, like, very, really close to the road, but it, uh, yeah. No. And that day, we only saw three hunters, though, I think. So that was good. Yeah, I think we might have seen some other people driving around. Only three hunters hiking. Three hunters hiking. That's yeah, a good way to put it. We did see a lot drive. of vehicles down, down below. Yeah. So, uh... We go in after these elk that we'd seen, a herd, and Bo has a Montana tag, and he, he said, no, I'm just kind of here to be the helper and help with camp, and blah, blah, blah. So the audience already knows who ends up, who's going to shoot an elk when he's supposed to be the helper, right? <laughs> uh, and he's a really good helper. Yeah, Bo set up an amazing camp, like... All the bells and whistles. We had three wall tents. Yeah. Six llamas. Six llamas and wood stoves. It was awesome. Yeah. <laughs> Bo's the man. Yeah. yeah. Basically. <laughs> Unbelievable. Bo and Kirsten. Yeah, making Kirsten it rain. came out too. Yeah. Yeah. If if Yeah, they even brought Adam his own wall tent. <laughs> <laughs> and his own I, stove. Oh yeah. 
Did you arrange that beforehand, or what's the deal? <clears throat> yeah, if you just go on Airbnb and go into <laughs> various <laughs> wall tents throughout western Montana, you can find those little ones for rent. It was either that or an, an Airstream was going to get pulled up and dropped off for me. <laughs> but he, I went with the rustic wall tent, sort of a cowboy feel. And Bo even started the stove in the morning. Yeah, I know. That's crazy. He, he feels like he has to be so attentive to everything. Yeah. Because that's what he does in his other business in the summertime as he does backcountry guided fishing or photography or just backcountry trips. So he he just struggles to get out of that mode. But I guess what do you do? Yell at him for helping you? <laughs> yeah, he was on. I, I, I realize I've been hunting wrong like my entire life in the sense that I've been doing all these hunts without any chocolate cake whatsoever. <laughs> and the, uh, the nightly fat slices of chocolate cake and like wall yeah. tent stove that would make you sweat. Yeah. It is, truly was a sweat lodge. It, it was, was nice. awesome. It was a yeah. nice touch. Because yeah. it was getting down to whatever. <laughs> Single digits, I guess, Fahrenheit, maybe yeah. 10, something yeah. like that. Yeah. Yeah, it's chilly. But there is something to be said for a good night's sleep in tough conditions allows you to hunt harder the next day. This is true. Yeah, no question. So, and if you're wondering about Bo and renting his llamas, I don't know if you can rent all of his services of setting up backcountry stuff and helping out like he helps with us, but you can rent his llamas at Wilderness Ridge Trail Llamas and... I keep telling him to raise his prices, but he's too nice of a guy, so he <laughs> almost gives this stuff away. But anyhow, we hike up the hill, and somehow I'm still shaking my head, and I've asked multiple times. I haven't got the good answer. Across the other ridge, Adam says, I think there's the butt of an elk bedded over there. And with my hood up, I couldn't hear what he said. And I saw everybody <laughs> scrambling for their optics. So I figured, well, he must have said something about I saw an elk. And there was a bull. Or at least the butt of an elk, from what I could see. How did you see that, Adam? I think I was just so shorter, so much shorter than everybody else. <laughs> I just had a pipeline right through the timber. That everyone was up at canopy level, and I just saw... The curvature of the hindquartered laying there, and yeah, I'd had to have been it. Uh, well, it was a great spot, that's for sure. And then get to looking around, and Marcus sees another one bedded to the left, and now it's time to go. And Bo says, I'll just stay over here, keep an eye on things, and you guys go get them. With the idea that Matt was going to have first shot, and we'd see what happened. So we dropped off that ridge. Like always, why is it always steeper and deeper than it appears to be when you're up above? It That's always some is. slick. Uh, I don't know. It was just tough getting down there. It was. It was, it was like skiing. Yeah. Because that snow warmed up a little that day <laughs> on those steep slopes, and it's just. Yeah, I I hate snow like that. <laughs> I, of course, I don't like wind and I don't like rain. I'm getting to be kind of, I think I've reached full-blown curmudgeon status <laughs> at this point. So, I don't know about that. Okay. Maybe some days. Uh, some days, yeah. I'm, 
I'm definitely there. I'm like Archie Bunker some days. It might, be, it might be worth adding, too, that we didn't really know which bulls or elk they were, right? So we saw right. those elk crews over the past drop in to the timber, and then we saw elk kick, kick out the bottom and thought that that was the same group of bulls. Yeah. And then we spun around, and there was there was a couple elk laying there. But I, I don't know. For me personally, I, I was just thought that they were a different group of elk or that group of cows and a couple of raghorns. So we didn't really know. Yeah. But there was one good bull in that group from a couple of miles off that just saw for a second, right? Yeah. And but we thought those ones continued on. Right. We were pretty sure they were like gone. The next drainage up. Totally. Yeah, that's a good point. Because we we thought these two were elk that we'd never seen before. And so we go over there and then we can't see him through the timber. We did glass up a rock for about 20 minutes. So. I was so sure that was an elk. I was, I'll second that. I thought that was an elk for we, sure. Like, Randy was the only one who was second guessing for a while. I'm like, no, no, it's an elk. And I put up the spotting scope, and it's only 150 yards away. Put up the spotting scope, and like, it's definitely not an elk. <laughs> <laughs> it was a tan-colored uh, rock. And it was in the exact right spot, right? And it was, it was right where the elk yeah. had been. So yeah. it, was, it was very confusing. Yeah. <laughs> so we think well let's head over the ridge to the other side and we'll cover that side because they're probably moving that way or whatever and Bo is over there he built himself a little fire we could see Bo this whole time and he's just sitting over there got his little fire going <laughs> and we aren't seeing any elk but did somebody say hey I see Bo getting his rifle ready or did no, we just he hear was, the shot? Well, he was kind of trying to give us hand signals and stuff, but it just like, yeah, it that, wasn't translated. Hand signals are always so confusing. Yeah, that I was. I think we decided that, because he think, or we knew, he, he said the elk stood up, right? Correct. And oh, so I think okay. we thought that like they stood up and like went over the next ridge or I don't know, something to that effect. Because we went over the next ridge. Yeah, whatever that hand <laughs> signal was, it made, I, I'm still, he told me what it was supposed to mean. I'm like, all right. But and needless to say, one of us was speaking Greek and the other was speaking Mandarin Chinese, I think, with our hand <laughs> signal operation. Little loss in translation. Yeah. So we uh, go over and up, and now we're above Bo. And uh, elk are probably where they had been. If you connected, we're about... I don't know, a 220-degree angle from them compared to where Bo is. And all of a sudden, we hear... Boom! I think that's what... That was the first thing we heard, right? We heard a shot? Or did we see him getting ready to shoot? I can't remember. I think I just heard a shot. He was... I was checking on him a little bit. You guys were kind of glassing close stuff. He was waving us back. Oh, that's right. He was waving us back. Kind of frantically, and so it kind of became apparent that we had overshot them, and then in hindsight, it sounded like we had walked between 150 or 120 yards of them because they had gotten up feeding, and of course, it was so thick, you could only see it from an elevated position looking down into all that timber, but we had skirted around beneath them, got on the next ridge, thinking that they're going to pop up at any moment, and then all of a sudden... Bo just started waving us back. So we spun around and you guys were getting ready for some action. Yeah. Yeah, we were getting ready to head over that way when we heard the shot. And uh, then we heard another shot. 
And by that time, we had had time to direct our spotting scope to Bo, so we could see what he was doing. And it appears after shot number two, rather than him setting up for shot number three, he took a really bad fall. And he broke his scope. So now he has a bull that has been hit really good with the first two shots. And he's trying to figure out how to finish that thing off with a broken scope. <laughs> Which in watching through the spotting scope, it wasn't working real well by the no. look of it, by the sound of it. It's so, very unfortunate. Yeah. So Adam and I head over there because we're thinking there's more bulls where we were at because we'd seen two groups of them. So Matt and Marcus stayed there. And when we get over there, Adam and I are looking down and the bull is on his last leg. But Bo doesn't have a rifle to shoot him with. So Bo meets us there. I hand him my rifle and he finishes it off with my rifle. Which sounds pretty calm when you talk about it. But if you were right there living the moment, it was one of the more chaotic instances I've been a part of in an elk hunt. And I don't know how Bo got off that other slope and up this the, the slope his bull died on as fast as he did. <laughs> Yeah. In the interim, when Adam and I peek over the ledge, there's three other hunters there lined up on Bo's elk. (laughs) Just just a whole rodeo. Yeah. Absolute rodeo. (laughs) Yeah. So we sneak down there and tell them, hey, that wounded bull, our buddy has shot it. And they look so confused. And, uh,. I feel bad because uh, I, I think they thought they were going to sneak up there and shoot an elk. Yeah. And, but when we explained to them what had happened, they said, yeah, he's been sitting there for the longest time, not even moving. And that's because he'd been hit. And so it ended up being the big one. Yeah. A really big one for a general unit public land hunt in an area that gets this much hunting pressure. How a bull lives to be that old, I'm not sure. It's pretty amazing. <laughs> like, really. Yeah. Because, I mean, there's definitely... Is this... It's I wouldn't say it's heavily roaded in this area, but it's got decent access. There's no, like, you can't get way back in anywhere, so... I mean, that bull had lived through a lot of hunting seasons, you know? Yeah. It's pretty impressive. And when we walked up there... I, we'd seen him in the spotter from a long ways away as they walked across the hill. We knew he was good, but he far exceeded what I thought he had looked like when he was in the spotting scope. And Bo said it was the seven elk that we thought had blown out of the basin. Which Matt and I were, in theory, we thought we were chasing. <laughs> we kept going into the next drainage, <laughs> went all the way to the head of that drainage and... <laughs> never never found them because <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> they were still back where we started. But I was quite delighted because now I was over there by Bo's dead elk and I got to help with the gutting and gilling. <laughs> and that, that made for a perfect day for me. Yeah. 
Adam. It was your birthday. It was your birthday yeah. present. It was. Yeah, I told <laughs> Bo, you know, for my birthday, you got to let me start carving on this thing. <laughs> but Bo's not going to just sit down while someone else does all that work. Yeah, and, this is a, it's really cool, Bo. And I think it's just... This is weird how it all went down. It was definitely a rodeo, so I think it almo- yeah. almost looked like Bo was just, like, not excited. But, I mean, I think it just took a while for it to set in. This, yeah. The way hey. it all went down was just... And I think he was feeling bad that those first two shots were really, really good, but the bull didn't expire. I think he's, yeah, he's just, like, and dead on his feet, just standing there. So, yeah. So weird. Crazy. And, uh... Yeah, once we got that front shoulder off, I mean, to see where those entrance and exit i guess there was two entrances yeah on the one side i mean but the fact that that bull wasn't dead within 60 seconds was pretty surprising to me and me too i mean as a hunter i think anytime that something like that happens it's always sort of bittersweet you're happy that the animal was finished off but also a little there's a little sadness there that it wasn't as quick as and clean as it could have been yeah it always takes a little bit to soak it up right yeah, I think that's what Bo was dealing with, with just the uh, mixed emotion that comes with that situation. Yeah. But for the, the video audience who watches what we do, uh, you're not going to get to see the kill shot because we left Bo behind. The photographer and the videographer came with Matt and me. Yeah, because there's no need to capture footage of a guy sitting by a fire, hanging out, <laughs> having a nap. <laughs> That's what we thought was happening. I don't know what else he was doing. Yeah. <clears throat> That's so crazy. That's the way it goes, though, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's sure. when you least expect it. So I don't know what you and Matt saw, Marcus, but Adam <laughs> and I got to help hang a whole bunch of mo- uh, meat up in the trees. Yeah, we didn't see a lot. We we uh, follow, we found the tracks because we saw that cow herd that had the couple. There's three three legal bulls in there. Yeah, we found their tracks, but they went up through some nasty cliffy timbered stuff that we never thought they would. But they went right through there, and we never found them. So we didn't see anything that night. Do you think they just kept right on trucking? Man, I like, don't know if they. Yeah, I think so because we followed them. Basic, and I never saw any beds or anything. Huh. And I don't know, I mean, I don't know if they were pushed by other hunters or what. They seemed like they were pushed by something, but we did see wolf tracks. And so Okay. I don't know if the wolves are on their tail or not. I, I don't know. But anyway, his, hmm. it was interesting to see that they just... Because we watched them cover a lot of ground yeah. that morning. and I mean, they weren't running, but they were just they were on a mission. Lined out, yeah. yeah. And they, they were go- going somewhere. And, but I was just impressed that they just like after what we saw them do for them to keep going through those cliffs and up through the timbers. like Yeah, because if they kept going that direction, that was not easy sledding. No. No, I don't, yeah. But I guess if someone was shooting at me, I'd be scrambling over whatever terrain I thought was going to get me out of harm's way. Yeah. So we got out that night. We told you and Matt we'd meet you at the truck, and we all ended up plopping down on the road within about... 10 seconds of each other about 300 yards from the truck. That yeah. was just... Perfect timing. Fluke. The lightest elk pack out I've ever had in my <laughs> lifetime. Of any, not even elk, any animal. Yeah. Because when you're with Bo, it's just understood that the pack out's going to happen with llamas. 
thought. Don't get any of this foolishness in your head that you're going to stuff some of it into your backpack <laughs> and start hoofing it. So we went back that night, and uh, that was the night that Corey and Donnie and John finally got to camp. And we were, we were in pretty high spirits after that. I thought if we shot one bull this week, we'd just, man, that'd be so great with the way I'd messed up the film permit and we had to go someplace we'd never elk hunted and just the list of complications and yeah. hurdles that seemed insurmountable seemed like a pretty long list. Yeah. So to to get one elk, that put us I I guess my dream if I said my wish for this hunt, realistic wish is we could kill an elk this week among all of us, we'd already accomplished that the first day. And it was a really, really nice bull too, which is icing on the cake. Dang. But really nice six by seven, heavy, dark horn, yeah. big bodied. That was just cool. Heck yeah. So then the next day <clears throat> was uh Corey and Donnie kind of followed us to where we'd been seeing the elk and then they split and went one way. And then you guys and Matt and Bo took two llamas, three two llamas, two llamas <clears throat> to go retrieve Bo's elk. Matt I, was just chomping at the bit. He was just like, "Let's go, let's go." He was just like, I, "I'm ready." I, I realized about <laughs> the time we got we af, halfway to Bo's bull that Matt was just like ready to go on a death march. He's oh, like, really? "We're gonna." We're gonna go. <laughs> he was so, Is that what he said? But I mean, it, it was just understood. He was, he was cruising. Like, and he was like in kill mode. He was like, <laughs> "We're gonna find some elk." <laughs> yeah, <laughs> oh, which is so cool because Matt's this reserved, mild manner, low key guy, <laughs> and to see his blood pressure or his <laughs> just excitement level elevate is. It's cool to see that oh, yeah. when, when, when it's so different from what his daily persona is. Was, I'm sure seeing a bull of that, sorry, Marcus, to see a bull of that caliber on the ground too. I mean, the, hey, yeah, this, this is probably a probably a needle in the haystack, but uh, at least there's a couple of these calibers of, of, of bulls hanging around. I mean, that, that's probably gone pretty jacked up too, right? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, I would bet so. I, I just hung back and... Uh, glass trying to find more elk hoping i could find some elk for us to go after later or to sick donnie and Corey on and i didn't see any elk in the morning and then out comes Bo and and adam with the elk and they tell me that matt and marcus decided they're gonna walk halfway to mars that day <laughs> <laughs> oh, it was awesome, though. It was... Uh. So I don't really know what happened that day. Marcus is going to have to fill that in. Other than Adam came back to join me, and we walked up a small hill to Glass for Elk and yeah. took a lot of really cool photographs, I think. But Yeah, yeah, we just kept going in, just went up and uh, dropped into this basin. Well, I guess we didn't really drop in first. We just kept going up, basically climbed a mountain, and... Uh, when we came over that ridge, it was one of the most epic scenic views I've ever experienced. It was just all this low hanging fog in the valleys and 
could see the mountains poking up through it here and there. And it was just like, I was like a kid in a candy store with a camera, just like taking photos, running around. Matt probably thought I was crazy, kept like running in front of him to try to get video and photos. And it was, <laughs> it was so cool. It was just like unreal. And then, uh, so we just set up above tree line and just kind of sat and glassed and the fog would roll in and out. And so stuff would come into view and then it would just get covered up again and you'd go, you know, lose sight of everything. And we'd been sitting there for maybe an hour. It was like noon at this point. And, uh, this little, you know, it's pretty far away. Little Ridge was in view and Matt spots a bull. A long ways away. Yeah, it was like probably three miles away. I don't know, two, two and a half, three miles away. Um, and yeah, this is bulls out in the middle of the day feeding in this big open meadow. And like, oh, wow, <laughs> that's awesome. So get up, get out the spotting scope, and eventually we saw six bulls out feeding in that meadow at noon. At noon, and so we're just like, uh, well, let's wow. go. And, and and it was crazy too, because like in that window, it got the spine scope set up. Like there's six bulls, and then the fog just whoosh, you know covering them up again. It's just like huh. really lucky that Matt spotted them in that narrow little window. So we dropped in, and uh, again, it was just it was just so cool. Just that whole hike up there, and you know the fog rolling in and out. The scenics are cool. We saw six bulls in the middle of the day, and so we just haul down there. And the whole way, too, we're just going through tracks. There's deer tracks, elk tracks, moose tracks, wolf tracks. Is this, like, wildlife sanctuary in there. It was, I don't know. It was, I'll definitely remember that day. And Matt is just, like, he's super pumped. He's excited. He's just already having a good time, you know. Just, like, seeing elk, having, just being in that area. Was, I think we were both already had a perfect day. But anyway, we eventually get over below the bulls. And uh, we kept having this debate on how to approach it because the wind was this, you know, was, you could just, you could even see the fog was just like, whew, just going right. It was oh, like really? you had a windicator. It was a visual <laughs> windicator. And it's like, and I, it's like, yeah, we can't, we can't go in underneath them like that. Like, but that was the only way that was, we were, we'd have any sort of shooting lanes or any visibility to them. Hmm. Um, well, I guess, and the reason being, I forgot to mention, halfway down, we it opened up again, and we were able to put the spotting scope on again. And uh, I think we saw one or two of the bulls, but there was we saw a group of cows that was up above them. So circling all the way around and coming above them wasn't really an option because there was cows there. Huh. So anyway, we finally decided to go in and... Uh, we we went in one way and then didn't have any shooting lanes, so we backed out, went in, and eventually we just kind of waited for the wind to switch. Just waited for the okay. thermals to start drifting down, and then just came in right below them, and uh, um, got up there, could see the cows above them, and then so we had to wait for the sun to go behind the ridge, so you know we weren't illuminated, didn't pop out into bright sunlight where everything could see us. So waited for the sun to go down, just kind of patiently waited, which I think I was surprised actually because Matt was so, you know, chomping at the bit. I was like, we're just going <laughs> to rush in there. <laughs> but no, it worked It worked out perfect. But anyway, yeah, it was like the, everything 
just fell into place. Um, belly crawled up over the ridge, and we were laying there. It felt like maybe 30 seconds, and then the first bull comes out of the timber. It was just like right when we got there, they came out, and then um, so he sees the first one. It's a raghorn, and then uh, second bull I think was another little five point or something, and then the third bull came out and like that's a bigger bull. And Matt was just like, you ready? And I'm like, Oh, I guess so. <laughs> and then it's like, boom, shoots it and just drills it perfectly. And I was like, all right, well, he's like, I guess I could have waited, but uh, that one was big enough. And it's like, sounds good to me. And so he, it ran this tiny bit and he shot it again, hit it twice. Perfect. About 300 yards. And, um, yeah, it was eventually all the bulls ran out. I and mean, there was, uh, nine other bulls with him. Whoa. And so so there's 10 total. 10 total bulls. And they, we, I got some footage of them as they uh, ran out. It was pretty cool. And uh, walked up there. Nice five by five bull. Just, yeah. Yeah, it was really a great heavy day. For it was a just five like, by five. Yeah, it was just, I don't know, everything fell into place and worked out good. And But we were still a long ways in <laughs> for sure. Yeah. But, uh, Got his bull quartered up and, um, again, left it in there. So we come back with the llamas, which I'm very grateful for because uh, that would have been pretty, pretty grueling pack out for just two guys. There's a lot of elevation to lose. We ended yeah. up actually, we didn't even hike, hike back the way we came. We ended up keep, we kept going all the way back to camp. So, yeah, solid. you guys came out on the main road, what, two, two and a half miles from. Yeah. Camp? So the other ha- direction. So we'd, <laughs> we'd went east in the morning. Yeah. And that's where you guys got dropped off. You guys make that huge loop and come out two and a half miles west of camp. Yeah. I think Matt, I, I want to say he mapped it. Yeah. Or he like did it. He said it was like around 13 miles. 13 day. miles, yeah. he said. Whew. So. I know I didn't do 13 <laughs> miles that day. Maybe 13 truck miles. Yeah. There you go. There you go, Adam. Yeah. But, uh, yeah, that was exciting. I knew when you guys didn't come back until, what, 8, 8 o'clock, something like that, three hours after yeah. shooting light or two and a half. I'm just thinking to myself, all right, they shot something. Yeah, they had to have shot something. <laughs> and we were waiting at different spots. Bo and Adam went back to camp to wait there to see where you guys had come out. And I said, well, I'm just going to stay at the same trailhead. And Bo and Adam brought me hot, steaming meal. They ran back over the, what is it, 10, 15-minute drive. I had a plate of elk backstraps, grilled onions, and fresh potatoes. Nice. So it's not like while I was waiting at the trailhead for you guys, I was suffering in any way. <laughs> yeah, it was cool. Never leave a man behind, right? It seemed- <laughs> yeah. No, I'd- that is the reality. I mean, I until Bo sent me an inreach that you guys had... No, Adam, you sent me the inreach that they'd showed up at camp. I ain't leaving the trailhead. I mean... <laughs> well, I, I felt bad. I sent a text because we when we were up high on the mountain, I got cell service. And so I sent a text to you and Bo hoping that one of you guys would get cell service at some point that we were going to come out at camp. But obviously you didn't get cell service at any point that day, so... <laughs> yeah. But and guess what everybody's getting for Christmas? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. In reaches. I don't get 
I so, pay full price for those things and, and think they're probably worth double even than what they are. They're unbelievable. Yeah. yeah. As far as a tool for Adam even lives just in logistics, safety, communication, kill something, don't yeah. kill something, weather. Yeah. You know, it, it, uh, they come in handy. Where in British Columbia do you live, Adam? I'm in Kelowna, which is south, south central BC. So he spends, if you should go see Adam's Instagram page. What's your Instagram handle? Um, it's just my last name, which is Foss Man, the number, and then the number eight. So F O S S Man 8, Foss Man 8. That's what they used to call me. When Instagram started, I didn't really know you're supposed to have a cool handle, uh, you know, mountain killer 555 or <laughs> <laughs> whatever. So I just did what people call me, and my number eight when I played sports and lacrosse is eight so there you go that was it I, so i should probably change it now but uh <laughs> so that's and, me. Yep. the reason i ask all that is if you follow adam on instagram you will see he does some of the craziest backcountry remote out in the middle of nowhere hunting of anybody i'm familiar with and was it Every hour, every two hours, where you lectured those among us who did not have an inreach. <laughs> it was probably every hour. I had an inreach. Yes, you were free of the lectures. Bo had an inreach. <laughs> you got like you got Adam like maybe had an inreach. Twenty-five percent, fifty percent lecture for not having the Earthmate app, so you could type on your phone. But I at know. least you you were <laughs> limping along. I, I'm with you though. I'm getting that app. I I was watching how quick you were doing messages, and I'm over there, left, Text left, 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 thing. up, 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 down, up, <laughs> enter. You have to do that for every letter, even the spaces and the commas. Oh, and, yeah. Yeah. No, it's pretty valuable. It's, and it's from the days of satellite phones into the inreaches. I mean, putting it in two things, putting it in text. This is literally exactly what's going on. It can't be really misinterpreted. Over yeah. a satellite phone, half the words get dropped, and yeah. it's just really hard to communicate. And then you've got the location pin. So you know exactly what's going on, when it's going on, and where it's going on. And I think it helps make yeah. things more convenient. It's a safety thing, but also I think it allows you to hunt a little bit harder and a little bit farther in because you got peace of mind and you got help coming if you kill a... Well, let's say we're in that situation and you're hunting solo and you killed an elk. By the time you sent an inreach to, to a couple of buddies, you'd have the thing quartered and hug might take you a few hours. And those guys, your buddies would already be in there, whether they were four-legged or two-legged, to come and help pack it out. And so yeah. I think it does yeah. help you. It's a hunting tool that uh, just beyond being able to keep in touch with your loved ones and let them know you're not dead, it, um, it, it's, it's pretty valuable. Yeah, it, it would have been very useful that day so that you and Matt, could have said, "Hey, bowl down." Yeah, we'll I need, meet you I need, at camp I need to get one. at eight o'clock. I'm going to be getting one, I think. So yeah. Adam did point out that the three inreachers among all of us at, in this hunt were all sitting in camp at the same time. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and I think everybody we were texting oh. each other from two different tents. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> uh, so when we met up with Corey and Donnie, they'd seen some cows and spikes, but I don't think they saw any branch antler bulls that day, did they? I don't believe so. Oh. Uh, so with my day of rest and recuperation of mostly just being a an indolent layabout there for most of the day, glassing. These guys concocted a plan. 
The next morning, Bo got all excited. We're going to bring all six llamas to retrieve Matt's elk. And Marcus and Matt say, but Randy, you got to come with because if we see another elk, you're going to want to shoot it in there. Well, that's why we brought the extra llamas. We were optimists. Yeah, and <laughs> I'm thinking to myself, I've heard this story before. How often do you go in to retrieve an elk and you shoot another elk? Never in my life have I had that happen. Have you? Uh, I don't think so. Not to me personally. Adam, have you ever... I never kill anything, so there's no reason to go back and get anything. <laughs> <laughs> and if I do, it's with, it's with a bow and arrow and, like, no, never. <laughs> so, I'm... Uh, ruminating on this grand scheme for the next morning and about all I could say is, ah, what the heck. I don't care that it's however many miles in there and whatever elevation gain and it's just going to be fun to go retrieve an elk with a bunch of llamas. So I'm game. And that's what we did. We left the next morning and, uh, Actually, Bo had spotted a nice bull the night before, and he sent Corey that direction. And then we went in with six llamas, the three of us and Bo and Matt. So, yeah. Can you imagine what people thought of all five of us walking in there with six llamas? They probably thought we were on some Yeah, I'm sort sure of, it looked, it was probably quite the sight to see if someone was glassing from down low. Like, what, yeah. what is that? <laughs> but what, what did you how did you describe the llamas like a bunch of war ponies yeah they're just like a little mini war, little war camel kind of pony things and uh you just see like a person relatively small person on top of one of those things it's like you know just the way that and even when they got all their all their rigging on it, it's pretty cool yeah. they're, they're neat and they're demeanor and their just overall attitude to just totally chill and they were cool i've never been around them at all and and i definitely was skeptical i thought it was a bit of a gimmick honestly like oh cool like pet pet llamas little fluffy <laughs> thing something to hang around and but uh they were beasts and their back end and their hind quarters and and the way that i mean their foot is basically like an oversized mountain go goat hoof you know what they can do it was was really impressive to see yeah those things, and they just allow you to go where you normally wouldn't. I mean, yeah. in terms of where you drop an elk, it's like you wouldn't want to drop an elk in a lot of those places. But knowing you got llamas back at camp to pack it out just changes your whole mindset. You're just not really even thinking about it. It's totally. Like, yeah, I know I can get this thing out. Definitely expands your horizons. Oh, man. In terms of how far you'll go. How the, the, how many times do you have the hesitation of, oh, man, I don't know that I want to walk over there because if I shoot one, it's going to be right before dark, and I'm going to spend a day or two days getting this out of here. Yeah. I'll, I'll catch myself like, don't glass that direction. <laughs> like, just don't even look over there because you know that it's just not feasible to get something out of there. So. The dangers of a good spotting scope. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Gotten many a hunter into trouble. Yeah. So we head out the next morning. 
Corey and Donnie are, and John are going to look for the six point that Bo, Bo had seen the night before. And we get up to the ridge, and that basin that Marcus and Matt had been explaining in this really high level of excitement whenever they talked about it was all it was cracked up to be. You look down there, and the very first thought in your head is, there's got to be a lot of elk in here. And we knew there was one dead one just down the hill. Yeah. Hanging in a tree from the night before. So that day, yesterday, answers so many questions that we commonly get. Do you start a fire when you're cold? Well, if you're with Bo Beatty, you have a fire going. As quick as you stop and tie off the llamas, he's got a fire going. <laughs> so, yes, you can hunt elk in the cold of November around a fire. Uh, what's a sanctuary look like? Well, I don't know how long it took us to get to where Matt's bull had died, but, yeah, we were taking a lot of photographs along the way, but what was the hike in there? I can't remember. Two hours? Yeah, probably. And then once you get to the ridge and you look down in there, you say, I don't want to haul a bull out of there. <laughs> That's a sanctuary. Yep. And they're in bachelor groups. They're doing their typical late season thing. And it was just such a cool place to just sit there in glass and see all that country and cracks everywhere. Yeah, I mean, that, that's another thing about where Matt shot his bull is there. I don't think you could glass anywhere on that bench without having hiked at least three miles, yeah. maybe even four. Like, you just cannot see it from anywhere unless you get way in there. And that's just, you know, it's probably where they get the least amount of pressure because nobody can see them in there and they just, it's where they end up. Or they walk near there and they look in there and say, I don't want to shoot an elk in there. <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, if they don't have llamas, they don't want to shoot an elk in there. Yeah, that's true. If you're packing elk by yourself, that'd be brutal. Yeah. I mean, if if we wouldn't have had llamas, we would have found out how good of friends Matt has. <laughs> <laughs> right. Uh, it would have been a lot of work to get that bull out of there. And so we're sitting there, and the idea is, so Bo and Kirsten are now making, for their backcountry trips that they do in the summer, they're making their own dehydrated meals. So Bo, I could tell, was really jonesing to cook us some dehydrated meals. <laughs> he was boiling water at like 9.45 in the morning. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I, th I think it was just before 10. Yeah. You guys ready for lunch? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <clears throat> I took a nap. I remember that. <laughs> and we sat there around the fire for quite a while. Thinking about, well, let's just sit here all day. And then just before dark, we'll drop down, what was it, three, four hundred feet of vertical to where Matt's bull was hanging? Yeah. If that, I don't know. I We walked right past it, you said, and I didn't even see it hanging <laughs> yeah, in the tree. Funny. You're like, where, where was Matt's bull? And I'm like, you guys walked within 15 yards of it and didn't see it. Uh, what if that had been a live elk? <laughs> I, on the really, I wonder if you guys would have seen it. I don't know that I would have. But when, to, my, <laughs> to, to my defense, when we walked past Max, Matt's elk, we were on a mission. That is true. 
So what happens, we sit there, tell big stories, make some hot cocoa, eat some dehydrated, rehydrated meals from Bo and Kirsten. Which are fantastic, by the way. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Fantastic. So good. Yeah. And Matt is sitting there around the fire, and he says, I see an elk running out there out of the trees. I see two elk. There's a whole bunch of elk. And here came a cow out of the trees with a calf and a whole string of young bulls in hot pursuit. (laughs) I thought Matt was jerking my chain at first. I thought he was just trying to get me excited because the whole way in there, he's telling me, you're going to shoot an elk today. Trust me, you're going to shoot an elk today. And I'm thinking, yeah, I might, but let's... Let's not get too excited here. Well, then about, I'd say it was around 11 o'clock or so that yeah. he, he saw those. No, noon. A little later, maybe. It was right at noon. Because oh, was it? Was, I, okay. I remember looking yeah. at my phone. I'm like, this is the exact same time that he spotted them yesterday. Okay. Yeah. And so what ends up happening is there's a cow and a ca- two, two cows and their calves with a whole bunch of bulls, six spikes, and two five points along with them. And if you watch enough rutting behavior of elk, you realize that one of these cows has missed a couple cycles and she is ready. Because that biggest five point was just going bonkers. He was bugling. He was chasing her. His dog in that cow. It was crazy. Climbing yeah. on top of her and any, any of the other elk that would, bulls would come nearby, he'd charge at them. And it's November. Yeah. <laughs> November, what? 7th, was it? So, yeah. yeah. Crazy. So, how far away was that? Two point something miles? I think. Somebody, it was, yeah, it was a good ways over there. I and quite a bit of elevation loss and gain in between. <laughs> yeah, again, very deceiving. <laughs> yeah. When you're sitting on the top of the ridge, you don't realize how far you're going to drop down and have to climb up to the other side. And uh, finally they bedded. And about 1 o'clock, the three of us took off with the idea that Bo and Matt would stay there and watch and if we killed this bull or one of these bulls, they would come over with all six llamas, grab Matt's bull on the way, and then come over and meet us. And then we'd make the big loop and come out right at camp instead of where we parked that morning. Yep. So that was the plan that was crafted. I don't know. When we left, what do you think the odds were that it was going to come together it looked pretty good the fact that we waited there you were very patient i was i mean you were waited until they bedded which was yeah but then once they did bed you were you were like matt you were in go mode you were like running (laughs) down the mountain i was just like (laughs) we got halfway down i'm like man my knees hurt like you were just running down that mountain (laughs) the only reason is because my left knee hurts so bad going downhill that i just hop and jump and let gravity take care of it i guess yeah (laughs) i wish i had one of those little mini toboggans where i could just slide down it'd be a whole lot easier so yeah 
it was, the good part was, when you have ONX, you can look at all the topography, the satellite imagery, and you can put a pin and say, that's where they're bedded. So when you go out of sight of them, you still can have a relative position of where they're at. Right. And I think anybody who's hunted any, any significant amount of time, you realize that when you get over to the other side of the drainage that you were looking at, everything looks different. Oh. And it's just like, wait, is that the same patch of trees or is that that ridge? It's always, yeah. Taking pictures and of the drainage from the other side and then also, yeah, pl plotting the waypoint definitely help a ton. Totally. Yeah. So to speed the story along, it took us over two hours to leave the nice warm fire that Bo had built and get up above where these elk were. And then you get there and whatever plan you have, you can almost throw it out the window because like Marcus said, it's gonna look so different when you get there. And we got there and it looked so different. And we spotted a cow and we knew where the bulls were bedded relative to her. So we had to make a bigger loop. And I always prefer to come in from above animals. It just gives you way more shooting lanes. You're likely to see them before they see you. Plus, at three in the afternoon with the southwest sun, we had that thermal blowing right up that drainage where you almost had to come in above them. Yep because of the wind and so we get there and it's about 50 yards from the edge of the timber where we pop out to the little roll in that hillside where they're going to be just below us and unfortunately we got three spikes bedded straight across from us that i thought were looking at us they were really dumb yeah i don't know what what they were doing but there's a reason in Montana and most units you can't shoot a spike. <laughs> because of how dumb those three were. They, yeah. <laughs> they, they were... They just walked right towards us. Down below us, out of sight. And solved that problem for us. Yeah. And we scooted forward, scooted forward, and got there. And the cow that all the bulls were interested in, now she's on her feet standing between two trees that were probably, I don't know, 10 yards apart, created this beautiful picture of a lane for me. And I still can't see either of the five points. And then I look over in these dead trees and I can just see this one moving his head around off to her left. And then the smaller five point comes over to the cow and instantly, the bigger five-point gets on his feet and marches right over there. And they lock horns. And they start pushing each other. Not, it wasn't no... They weren't, uh, like, full-on fighting, yeah, but yeah. they are sparring. That was, yeah. yeah, that was cool. They're, they're sorting out who's going to get this cow. And while they're sparring and pushing, this guy makes the big mistake of pushing his inferior out into the opening that the cow is now vacated, giving me a 190-yard broadside shot. And somebody's probably going to see that footage and question the ethics of shooting a bull elk that is engaged with another bull elk. <laughs> Why? Why would that be? I don't know. It seems like no matter what you do, uh, when you put it on YouTube, you're going to have someone who 
takes issue with yeah. what happened. But that was the end of the road for him. Yeah. He made One it, shot. It was yeah. perfect. He made it about 60 yards with a 180-grain Nosler Acubon through both lungs. And uh, as we often call it, the how a handshake. Um, and m to the projection of Marcus and Matt, <laughs> I shot an elk yesterday. Three elk in three days. That's crazy. And I was really glad that we had six llamas. Because we're a long distance and a lot of elevation <laughs> away from where we got to go. Yeah, that was pretty unreal. Um, and if you would have told me that we have to loop all the way back up that ridge to where Matt's was, I wouldn't have shot that thing. Well, could you imagine packing two bull elk out of that basin? No, I would I would have just said, <laughs> like, you know what? It's nice looking at these elk, but that's all I'm going to do is just look at them. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not here to shoot one if I got to pack them out of that hole uphill. Oof, that would have been bad. <laughs> but with llamas... Here comes Bo Beatty's llama team. The llama Uber. Yeah. That was so cool <laughs> to see them coming up that hill. And those llamas just, their heads bobbing. It's almost like they're smiling when they're out doing something. And we had the, the bull broke down and ready to go by the time they got there. And then all we had left was about a, what, two hour, two and a half hour hike out of there? Yeah. It was pretty cool just walking out. Wasn't full moon, but good moonlight. And oh, man. Oh, the only thing I know that Adam and I were a little sad about is if we had like 20 more minutes, we would have had some epic photos. Really? Oh, man. Llama it, it, it Llama got string? dark right as we loaded up. Really? I knew we were like, going to just miss it. We yeah. just missed it. Oh, Before yeah. You shot some, like, the elk, glassed at those guys, and they were all still on the bench. <laughs> and <laughs> I, I knew as soon as we left him, and Bo said, oh, well, we might just hang out here for five or ten minutes, but he was like in the fetal position. <laughs> <laughs> and it just cut down a couple of cords of firewood <laughs> and probably was boiling up another second lunch. Uh, he knew he was there for the He was going to be there for a while. And if uh, I was in the same position, I probably would not. Yeah. Be in a hurry to drop off and let some of the action play out in front. Yeah. <laughs> well, it was really nice to see him. It was such a cool evening walking out oh, under yeah. that moonlight and just thinking about, here we are on public land in a highly pressured area that we'd not elk hunted before. And in three days, we shot three bull elk. And they were all in spots that not a lot of other people wanted to go to. And I'll be honest, if we wouldn't have had llamas, you would not have, you couldn't have convinced me to go into where Matt and I shot those bulls. I would have just said, you know, I'm too old and cobbled up. I can't, I can't haul them out of here. Right. And we can't haul you out. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we could probably get in there and tough one or two of those out, eh, Marcus? But I don't think we could... <laughs> I, I'm not packing Randy out. Yeah. Yeah. Well, if I die in a spot like that, Adam, just tell my wife where you left me. Deal. I'll <laughs> send her an inreach. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> take her, take a photograph so she can show the life insurance company that he really is dead out there. 
man. Yeah, I'm not worth hauling out. <clears throat> but, and even of greater excitement, and we don't have Donnie and Corey here to tell us what happened, but we get back to camp, and Donnie has shot a bull that day. Yeah. <laughs> so, here we are in three days among five people who were out hunting four filled their tags and who knows we we had to leave today uh i gotta get home uh my wife isn't doing she's sick so i gotta get home so i feel bad that i had to leave Corey there the one guy who i'd most like to help fill a montana elk tag we had to leave uh he's the only tag holder left right that but that's what he gets for holding out you know yeah he could have shot at the cow. Cows are legal down That's there. That's true. He, I don't know what his problem is. He, he, he well, I, th- I think he had a, a, a rifle malfunction. Yeah, he did <laughs> tell us. <laughs> put it nicely. Yeah, he did tell us about a rifle malfunction. <laughs> and Donnie said, step aside. I think your rifle's not working. And Donnie <laughs> shot it. Yeah. So. Well, away she goes. Yeah. But he might have one down right now, though. He might. That's they might a, be quarter to elk as we speak. Right. Because they had a good prospect. <clears throat> I wouldn't bet yeah. against them. I yeah. wouldn't either. I wouldn't want that dude hunting me. No. He's intense. No. <laughs> Corey is a, an elk predator. He he just, when he gets that look in his eye, you don't want to be the one following along behind because you better be really energetic and in really good shape because he's just going. And last night, he said just before dark, he saw a nice six-point come out at the top of this big high basin, and they were going back there tonight. So he doesn't have inReach, so I can't look at my <laughs> inReach to see if he's going to send us a message to say he got one. <laughs> but the downside is when we broke camp about three hours ago, Bo headed home also because he's got a bajillion things he's got to do before his next trip on Monday. And uh, Corey and Donnie and John are going to have to put that one in their packs if they shoot it. Yep. They're strong lads, though. And Corey's comment today when we threw him, Donnie's blowing the llamas, was, I've been elk hunting for 35 years. This is the first elk I haven't had being carried out on my back. So really? I think wow. he had a little glint in his eye. <laughs> I think he was almost, almost saying that... Uh, Hey, if I kill one tonight, I'm going to be able to carry it on my back. And, and I think he'd, he'd be okay with that. <laughs> I guess he'll have to be okay with that. He doesn't have a choice. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so anyhow, folks, that is what we've been up to the last few days. And uh, it was just so much fun. So relaxing. I was so excited to see... And Matt and Donnie shoot bulls. I, if I wouldn't have shot a bull, it wouldn't have, wouldn't have been, you know, where I'm driving home all upset or anything. <laughs> it was just that much more icing on a wonderful cake. I just, gosh, it was a fun camp. Yeah, a group of guys. Yeah, really fun, pleasurable, and just to, it, it caused me to think about how certain things I've, I've hunted elk for however many years and like you were saying adam i always thought llamas were a gimmick and i think bad llamas 
are a gimmick. Good llamas are a game changer. Yeah. At least for me. Well, and I think that the when you just from my experience of just first meeting Bo and just how much how much care and thought is into the whole process of their breeding program and just the history and how much knowledge he's he's brought to the table to get to this point. I don't think you see the the 10 or 12 years that he's put into it to figure all this stuff out. But I mean, he's making his own tack and panniers and yeah. pack saddles and the way that he transported them in a stock rack that he's welded himself on the back of his truck. And there's all those little things that he's probably had all those rodeos, just like we've all had in, in all of our paths of life that we've taken, <laughs> that, that we've made all those mistakes and forgot to, take the lens cap off or you know, <laughs> put the wrong battery in in Marcus's night case <laughs> and still do that routinely. Um, he's done all those those mistakes and put all that time in that you don't see and it's such clockwork. Yeah, I think that for somebody to just, somebody like me, just to try and go and figure all that out, um, you're ca- kind of understating the fact these llamas don't just like appear the way that they are um, without without all that work and craft that he's put into it, so it, yeah. it, it's pretty cool. It's pretty cool to see. Yeah, having animals bred and trained like his is not by accident. Yeah, they're just beasts. Totally beasts. Oh man, yeah, <laughs> it's crazy. And this is probably I don't know the fifth or sixth hunt that I've used them, and they still impress me to no end. Yeah. Uh, last night, the uh, James. He'd carried half of Matt's elk all the way down that hill into that bottom of that basin all the way up to where we were and then carried it all the way back to camp. When he had also carried out some of Bo, Bo's from, bull from, from the day, the day before. before. Yeah. So he's just like, yeah, just getting after it. Whew. And I think the on Bo's bull, it wasn't a super far pack out, but the one llama had two hinds and the caped out head, which I think... Two hinds were sixty plus yeah. each with bone in, and then the head had to have been, you know, twenty five or twenty pound, whatever that weighs, twenty yeah. pounds. So it was, I think it was a pushing one hundred and forty or maybe even one hundred and forty five pounds. And those things, yeah, it, it was as if there was nothing, nothing to it. I mean, yeah. and last night one of the one of the big beasts had a fully loaded down waltz over the creek that we were crossing. You know, it had to have been a. 10 or 10 foot gap or something. I mean, just <laughs> flew over Yeah, it. Sue. Sue <laughs> yeah. just sent it. And yeah, I- Sue. So <laughs> Bo named one of his boy llamas Sue after the Johnny Cash boy named Sue because he said this guy is a little bit different. And uh, boy, he proved that for sure. He is a little bit different. Uh, I was leading him. And I couldn't get him across this little wash. And when he decided to go, he looked like, one of you guys said it, the cow jumped over the moon thing <laughs> yeah. when you're a kid, the nursery rhyme or whatever. That's what he looked like jumping across that with a, a probably 80 pounds of meat on his back. Yep. Yeah, and dragging awesome. the other llama behind him <laughs> because they're tethered on what? 10-foot leads or 8-foot leads or something. So when he jumped, the other guy had to go with him. (laughs) Oh, my goodness. And then the other time when it got a little darker, 
I thought he realized he could just walk across that little wash. He decided to jump again. <laughs> and when he jumped, he landed right in, in my back, oh, knocked me over, then standing there looking at me like, what's the problem, man? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and then when he jumped out of Bo's truck today, he looked oh, like yeah. a kangaroo jumping out of there. Yeah, that's pretty awesome. Oh, man. Uh, they all have a little different personality, but anyhow, folks, if if you want to go do a really fun elk hunt, I can assure you that renting some llamas from Bo and taking them with are going to add to the pleasure factor. It won't add much work. the The return on investment for the amount of work you got to put in to feed them and water them in the mornings. If I had a stock portfolio that paid dividends and returns like that does, <laughs> man, would I be a rich guy. I just feeling bullish on llamas, eh, Rand? I'm bullish on you. There you go. <laughs> I am bullish on llamas, Adam. Oh, man. So, that's, uh, it, every once in a while, I just stumble upon something that is that game changer that you, you wonder. Why did I think this was a gimmick, or why didn't I? Why didn't I know about this? Or I'm sure in all the crazy adventure hunting you do, Adam, you probably encounter things like that and say, "Huh, why didn't I have this last year?" It's an evolution. Yeah, it's always cool. I I kind of keep a little bit of a note diary journal, and it's mostly what I'm seeing and what the weather is. But but a lot of lessons from a gear perspective or tactics just those those little things that you think of when you're out there that you sort of pile up a database of of thoughts and ideas and it's cool to be able to refer back to those things because you never seem to remember it when you get back yeah i don't know about you and you know we're already driving across the highway our emails are filling up and we're getting text messages as we get service and it's sort of what's the sad thing about our technological world that we built around us. It's like, we went on this great hunt. There was only 10, nine, however many people were there. We were breathing the fresh air. We were walking out of the moonlight and all of a sudden it's like, poof, you're pulled in a thousand different directions <laughs> as soon as you get back. You know? But yeah. I don't remember all those great ideas sometimes. So yeah, I'm sure there's been a few under my nose that I've let slip through the cracks, but um, the llamas was a new one. And I have to say, I'm a, I'm a skeptic from uh, by nature, but um they definitely won me over for, uh, especially this type of hunt where th there's, there's, it's rough country, but there's access and, um, a big animal like an elk, you know, where you really have a lot of meat that's gonna, and, and like, we, I think we could have, we could have packed a couple of those out, but it would have really slowed down the hunting because we just would have had to dedicate so much time to that, let alone right. the effort of doing it. It's like, you're, if you only had three days or five days or you have a week off from work a year. And if you're fortunate enough to kill an elk um, and you're there with a partner or, or three or four other people, that's kind of your hunt in, in a lot of ways in the stuff that, that we were hunting. Um, for us, I mean, the hunt just continued. It just rolled on. It was not really even a blip in the radar. It was, yeah. it was cut that thing up and find another one. So yeah, uh, it's pretty interesting to see for, for that type of hunting. Yeah, pre-llama, if I was on a five-day hunt, my fifth day, I didn't hunt that far from the truck. Right. right. Yeah. Because I was worried, well, what if I shoot one at two in the afternoon on day five? I'm packing, you know, if you're way back there, I'm packing until the next morning. 
Yeah. And I'm going to be late for work or whatever Mrs. Newberg has on her calendar for me the next day. <laughs> right. <laughs> and from an from a archery season perspective, I mean, when those temperatures are warm. Yep. That's just such a worry. I mean, you can go in there six or seven or eight miles or longer, but really you kill an elk or something in those warm temps and the clock is ticking. And so, yeah, that's just not, it's just not a great position to be in. Yeah. I'm well, I really appreciate you guys tagging along, working as hard to capture all that you did for these days. Hopefully when it's all said and done, it was, Oh man, it was a blast. It was worthwhile happy to happy to be here yeah it was fun it was really fun camp i I mean for me it was it was cool because it's you know you got a lot of serious hunters a lot of people that hunt a lot a lot of talented hunters but i from my perspective it seemed like everyone was pretty laid back and just kind of out there to have fun and uh i mean that's sometimes too when good things happen sometimes you put so much pressure on yourself i mean me personally like yeah put put so much pressure something to happen or get an outcome or hunt hard you know and and sometimes you're squeezing squeezing the stick a little too tight yeah and uh just to kind of go with the flow and i mean good things just happened and then they kept happening it was kind of like a domino effect so i think that attitude from from everybody collectively sort of made the hunt a, a lot more fun but also maybe it contributed to success i think so i i I had, well, I've hunted with Corey before and Bo and and Matt. I hadn't hunted with Donnie. Donnie, he's really laid back. Yeah. Compared to him and Corey, Corey is just like the Energizer Bunny. <laughs> and Donnie's just smiling. Yeah, always, yeah, yeah, smile. And uh, I agree. It was just the right group of people that oh, yeah. everybody wanted success for the other person and I quite honestly from my own perspective we've been on the road now for three months pretty much non-stop for me it's good to recharge my batteries with a hunt like this that is just about fun it's not about yeah. some great tag or anything competitive or feeling pressure in any way it's just let's show up laugh have fun and hunt for the fun of hunting yeah. and one of the things that helps too is i mean the days are getting shorter so yeah you don't you're not hunting as long so you get you know get that time at camp to hang out and just talk with people and you yeah. know just hang out get to know each other and yeah it was just i and mean I, we still we worked hard but it was just fun is this like a constant like fun just enough action to keep everything going and yeah i don't know it was definitely going to be one of the most memorable elk hunts i've ever been a part of for sure yeah i hope Corey shot one today that would be so oh, cool to go five for five yeah that's wild in four days yeah that'd, that'd be unbelievable yeah but well i when bo was leaving today i said you know i i really would like to do this every year how it, whatever it takes to make it work. Uh, I know he's he's got his hunting and he's still busy, but if I can employ his services and he can come along and have fun, I think he has a lot of fun doing it. Are you what kidding me? I mean, the guy shot a 
freaking dandy second biggest bull he's ever killed in his life, I think. Yeah. Uh, on the right hunting. after he killed the first yeah, biggest bull, I, of it. like he killed one a month ago or whatever yeah, it was in Wyoming. <laughs> in Wyoming. I think he's. In, I mean, if yeah. he's not in, I don't know what's wrong with him. What's going to happen next? Oh, <laughs> uh, yeah. So I hope everybody listening thinks about how much fun it can be with the right people. And I do think we got a little bit lucky. I mean, you, you always, there is always some luck involved. For sure. And you, sometimes you work your butt off and you don't have anything to show for it. And sometimes you work your butt off and it, everything just comes together. And so I don't want to make it sound like I had everything all figured out. No, this was the script and everything worked <laughs> according to the to the script. There was some luck involved, but hopefully if people are listening, you go and you share a camp with somebody who's just a lot of fun to be around. Because you're going to hunt harder, you're going to have more fun, more memories. You're going to find, I, I think you're going to find a lot more fulfillment out of it. I I sure did. It was a ton of fun. So... Yeah, there's always an element of luck. You spun the wheel pretty good there, kid. <laughs> what, what was that, Adam? Marcus spun the wheel, man. Oh, oh yeah. You spun back it pretty to, good. Yeah. Just take a spot. Take a spot. <laughs> pretty spot. Right. <laughs> pretty <sure>. slick. <laughs> oh. I mean, I, it was a slightly educated spin. I, I I had a little bit of thought into it, but yeah, no, it, we got lucky. Uh, you played right. it off good, though. Here. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You had the expectations curbed perfectly. Like, ah, yeah, I don't really know what's well, going on. <laughs> yeah. It almost was like you had no idea what was going on. Yeah, but yeah, but we knew that you did. Well, the thing that yeah, I could really, I mean, the hunting pressure, as we saw today. A lot of people rolled into there yeah. right as we were leaving. Yeah, it is a, a very, very popular spot. There's a ton of hunting pressure there, so yeah, we fire. hit it pretty lucky, pretty good timing. Yeah. And I mean, uh, we worked hard too. We got in deeper mm-hmm. than a lot of people want to go, which helps for sure. But yeah, yeah. and I, it did when what you mentioned there, driving out today, rig after rig after rig, coming in on a Friday afternoon. Oh man, yeah, it reminded me of. There was a time in my life where all I did was work, it seemed like. And so I was, quote unquote, the weekend warrior. Mm-hmm. Now we have the pleasure or benefit or whatever you want to call it of being able to schedule our haunts during the week. But I use those cyclical weekly fluctuations of hunting pressure in my planning. Mm-hmm. Because I know that by Sunday night, those elk are going to be so pressured, they're going to be in the farthest, hardest corners to get to. And then Monday, they don't get nearly as much pressure. Tuesday, not nearly as much. Wednesday, they're starting to think, oh, maybe season's over. And so it's part of how I plan my strategy throughout the week is, all right, I know on Monday after all this weekend pressure, it is going to be tough hunting. These elk have heard, seen, smelled, so much human activity in the last two days there you'd almost swear that they dug a hole and ran away yeah it is it i mean it's definitely it's hard to make it happen on the weekend warrior schedule that's what i've realized this is like man if you can at all you know just like consolidate do four or five days in a row and then sack you know even at the sake of sacrificing other weekends it, it just increases your odds so much yeah. It's insane. 
But then for I mean for a long time I yeah I did the weekend warrior thing too and that's all you can do is all right and it's just an, another challenge and yeah anyone who, of you listening who are able to pull that off as having to hunt just weekends you are doing some serious hunting you you've got it dialed in and uh, for sure we definitely have a luxury with how we were able to schedule stuff but yeah yeah. Well, guys, thanks for everything. I really appreciate it. Yeah. Happy to be here. Hopefully, Thank you. It was fun. Yeah. Hopefully all the road noise wasn't annoying to the audience as we're burning miles here out in the middle of Montana trying to get home for the Saturday morning, whatever the big plan is on Saturday. I got an elk skull to boil. Me too. Oh, you do? Yeah, I shot one last week. Oh, that's right. You didn't get a chance to boil it yet? No. Oh, all right. Rotting currently. Yeah. <laughs> uh, yeah, Marcus filled his tag last week. His wife, Kara, filled her tag opening week of archery season. You guys must have an awful lot of meat in the freezer, Marcus. Sure do. <laughs> <laughs> Not going to be buying any beef this year? Uh, no. Negative. <laughs> Uh, well folks thanks for listening appreciate you following along and until the next time please go hunting have fun be safe make some memories and just go do it don't find the reasons not to go find the reasons to go and do it